0: I think we're getting ready to start class for the night. Um, we have been dis- uh, discussing New Testament Church. Tonight we're on God will pour out a spirit on all flesh which you receive through belief, repentance, and baptism. We have discussed Jesus was the Messiah and Savior that conquered death through resurrection and defeated sin through his perfect sacrifice. We have discussed that he is, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of the church. He's Lord of our lives. He's Lord of every single thing in all of creation. I think that was a really good uh, conversation last week. And then, of course, we still need to talk about the church was more than a community of believers. They were a family of God. But before we go um, any further, I want to start with a prayer. And then if there's any, anything we want to reflect on from the last couple of studies, um, usually I try to make this a, a um, conversation uh, more than a class. The last couple of weeks kind of turned into class a little bit more um, because I was trying to lay out a big picture through scripture. So I, I wanted to at least give a chance to have some discussion over what we've been discussing um, before I moved on. But let's pray first and then we'll, we'll get into class. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We are grateful every single day for your love, For your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, Lord. God, we try our best every day to to follow you, to allow the Spirit to work in us so we can become more like you. But at the end of the day, Lord, we're fallible. We're, We're just capable of making mistakes, and sometimes we do, God, so we're just grateful for your love. The love that you showed on the cross when you sent your Son to die for all of our sin for all those all those moments. God, we uh, we want to be the New Testament church. We want to be the church that we are called to be in twenty twenty three, Lord. And so we've started this year studying about your church. Father, we pray that you continue to guide us, um, get us thinking about what the Scripture's saying and also give us the confidence to share those things that you've placed on our hearts. We thank you so much. For Jesus and everything he's done for us it's in Jesus name we pray amen all right so is there any thing I know this is kind of not probably the best way to start class but is there anything that we've discussed over the last couple of weeks that um that you had any struggle with that you had any uh, reservation about um that you um or even that came to light to you in a way that you had had not seen before or just anything that you want to share based on the last few weeks with Jesus being the Messiah and the Savior and Jesus being our Lord? Anything at all? Okay. That's like a check mark to me. If it's not, I mean, this was your chance. This was your chance. Alright, well we're going to get into, I think that we started there, one, because even though Peter spoke about it in a different order, um, which is the order on the screen there, we started with those two, one, because I think they're foundational principles, and two, I think you have to come to this understanding before we get to what Peter talked about first in Acts chapter 2, which is this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is not the Messiah, if he's not your Savior, if he's not your Lord, then the Holy Spirit doesn't really come into play. We're going to see that through um, some scripture tonight. So where does the conversation of the Holy Spirit, where is the first place the Holy Spirit is mentioned in someone in the New Testament? Chuck. Chuck.
1: Was it when Elizabeth
0: met Mary? Ah, it it was. It was. It was John the Baptist. And I wanted to go through a little bit of this real quick. This is going to be more foundational. I don't know if any of this is really going to surprise anybody tonight, but I wanted to show you that there's something really spectacular going on with John the Baptist. First of all, Um, Let me read this real quick. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is what has been promised to uh, John the Baptist's father. And then again, we see him jumping for joy when when his uh, his mother and Mary uh, cross paths and he knows he's in the presence of Jesus. That'll come into play a little bit more um, later in this discussion as well. But why did John the Baptist come? What was his purpose? Yeah, to prepare for the Messiah. And how was he going to prepare for the Messiah? He preached repentance, baptism of repentance. What else did he do? Go ahead.
1: strengthen the church in numbers.
0: Well, he, definitely try, he was trying to strengthen God's people yes and he was adding to this people that were repenting of their ways Chuck
1: help Christ fulfill all righteousness yeah help
0: Christ fulfill all righteousness he was gathering a people together that were willing to admit that the way that they were the path they were on the way that they were approaching life was wrong he was preparing the way for the Messiah go ahead Chuck he was a hero. He was
1: saying, the Messiah is coming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think there's one thing we left out. And I'll be honest, when I first started this study, I, um, this would not have been on the forefront of my mind either. Everything we just said would have been on the forefront of my mind. This next part that we're going to get into, it, it's a little different. But I wanted to go through just a few quick little concise scriptures that surround John the Baptist and things he specifically said um, in his ministry. So Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with what? See, there's one other thing. He's announcing this baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's announcing it. It's part of what he does. Look at this one. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Who's the him? The Spirit, of the, the spirit in the form of a dove comes and rests on? Jesus, right? So he comes and he's resting on Jesus. Behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So again, we're going to kind of revisit some other things and we're going to have to revisit them multiple times. This, this is going to be a conversation that builds for weeks. The Holy Spirit's not a small conversation. It's part of God. So, hold on real quick. I'm coming back to you. <clears throat> so, I want you to see this moment. This is recorded in multiple Gospels. It's not actually recorded exactly exactly the same way. Um, I believe it's Luke that says he goes and prays. He sees this; he has this moment where he sees it in the baptism. Mark says immediately as well. As soon as he comes out of the water, this, this moment happens. Luke records it where he's praying and the, the spirit is descending upon him. But it's all almost identical. Um, go ahead, Doug.
2: Roseanne says that
1: he declares that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's right, the
0: kingdom of heaven is near. That's right, absolutely. He is preparing the way for the Messiah. But he's also announcing the arrival as well of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this early. John 1 says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, this is John the Baptist, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man whose rank before me, whose ranks before me, because he was before me. So he's not only saying, um, he's not only heralding the Holy Spirit, he's also herding, heralding that he is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. He existed before John ever existed. And he ranks before him because of that. He says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. This is how he knows it's Jesus. This is how he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. And this part is a little interesting because obviously they were related. But from that moment to the womb, he does not have a relationship with him. He does not know him specifically. It's just a person that comes out of the crowd in one way. In another way, he understands that Jesus is something because he says, hey, I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. You you should be the one baptizing me. And he says, no, do, do it. So, going back to 33, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descends and remains, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So who is the one who told him to look for this moment. Who's the one that told John the Baptist to look for this moment? The Spirit. Through God. God told him. It's God's Spirit that's with him. It's with him when he's in the womb of his mother. And this is the moment. The one who sent him for this calling to announce the Messiah is also the one who said, when this moment happens, you're going to see it, you're going to know it, and you're going to know who the Son of God is. That's what John the Baptist is saying right here. John 20. We're gonna jump ahead a little bit, but I want you to see this in the context of the Scripture, in the order that it comes in. So we go from baptism to the end, right before Jesus ascends. This isn't exactly right before, but right before Jesus ascends. Verse 20, John 20, something interesting happens here. I want to see what um, your explanation is of this, or how you interpret this yourselves.
1: Spirit didn't actually come upon him until the day of Pentecost. So was he just preparing for him? He was encouraging him to not
0: reject him, but receive him? I, I think I think you're very I think you're very close. Um Anybody else? This is a tough one. I've wrestled with this one for, for multiple days, in fact, because in, in I want you to remember this scripture specifically going forward. We're not going to get to some of the stuff that this scripture is really starting to build a base for um, tonight. But you have this moment. This is before Acts. This is before Acts chapter 1. This is towards the end. He's showing them where he's been crucified. That's his proof and he's breathing the Holy Spirit on them. Now, I want you to think about um, Genesis. Go ahead Chuck.
1: Well, If I read it, Mm -hmm. he breathed on them and said to them
0: Mm -hmm. receive the Holy
1: Spirit. It doesn't say he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. Okay. So, I mean, it may be just a nit that I'm picking at, but I think the point was made to say they would receive it but I don't think they received it then because they still didn't understand he ascended up into heaven in Acts 1 they're standing there going you know, wait and and they said, why are you looking up there? he'll come back but why are you still they still didn't understand it wasn't until the day of Pentecost they received the spirit and they understood
0: yeah, so again this is something that I've been struggling with for multiple days myself and what I see here is that there's this breath and then there is this statement, receive the Holy Spirit. We can can break it down that simple. And what this has taken me back to multiple times is creation. When Jesus came, what was the big thing he came to destroy? Sin and Death, when you were created in Genesis, the account of the creation of man, how did God, what did God, when He breathed into you, what did He breathe into you? Life. So I'm not trying to make an entire argument, and we're not going to get too crazy tonight anyway, because like I said, the more difficult stuff is later. We've got to build foundational first. But what I do see is from death to life, from death to life. Just like those who were in sin before they were, they were going to die because of their sin, there's now this life through the Spirit. Um, and that breath of life from heaven, maybe it's, maybe it's symbolic, that's what I see it as. Um, maybe you take it literal, and they received the Holy Spirit. We can talk about that um, going forward for a different time. Okay, Just trying to build foundational first. Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So he opens their minds so they can start to put all the scripture together. They're thinking about all of the stuff that he just listed up there, the prophets, the law of Moses, all the psalms that identified Christ that we consider to be messianic prophecies still to this day. He's, he's opened their minds so they can start to put all this in context. Now he's going to put it in context verbatim for them. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, this, in his name uh, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are a witness to these things and behold I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in that city until you are clothed with power from on high. What is the promise that they're waiting for in Jerusalem? Holy Spirit. Yeah, they're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. What are they going to be, how are they going to be clothed with power from on high? Yeah. Holy Spirit. They're, going to, they're going to receive something that is going to make it where it's impossible and we're going to see this as we go through Acts a little bit as well. Where it's going to be impossible for people to deny that there is, a, there is power from God coming from them. Go ahead.
2: Maybe they got different powers from the Holy Spirit at different times. Maybe this breathing, of Jesus breathing upon them from the Holy Spirit <coughs> was a, one kind of power okay one kind of something and this and the holy spirit that they got on pentecost was another kind of power or powers
0: I, we are i think you're on the right track for sure and I, but we're going to get to that at a later date but i do think you're on the i think you're on the right track Go ahead Chuck.
1: When they they were clothed by power, it was obviously the same power Jesus had for the same reason. They were speaking the truth and that gave them the authorization to speak the truth and was a sign to everyone that what they're doing is they're bringing you to God. Mm -hmm. Just like when Christ, Christ didn't come to heal the sick physically. Christ came to heal the spiritually sick. Right. But the fact that he had the authority was shown by what he was able to do through the Spirit. They needed the same power to continue. Because he said, I think you may have already covered it and said, You're going to be doing what I did. Just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you, which you already had up there. Yeah. And And so. To do that, they had to have some of the authority that he had. And they had, he, like he had it through the Spirit. They had it
2: through
0: the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, think think that, I think that they're waiting on this moment that they've heard about all the way back from John the Baptist. Some of them, don't forget, were John the Baptist's disciples. Some of the people that he said, behold the Lamb of God to, were John the Baptist's disciples that became apostles and are going to become very important um, in this discussion. Specifically, one I'm thinking of is Peter, who becomes very important in this discussion later. Um, let's look at John seven. Go ahead. commentator on
2: that verse, it says it records Jesus giving the power of forgiveness to the disciples during his first appearance after the resurrection. It does say,
0: whoever you forgive, I will forgive, and whoever you condemn, I will condemn it. It does say that afterwards. So, huh, um, I might agree with that. I'm not sure yet. I might agree with that, that it's specifically about forgiveness. I'm not sure yet. But I will say that I think there's two things happening between John 20 and between Acts 1. Okay? Okay? I think there's two different things happening. I think you're gonna see that through scripture. So,
2: don't jump me yet. So, that's, that's just a confirmation that, that Jesus is saying, this is me. Uh, he showed him the, his hands, he showed him his feet, he showed him the physical evidence that he did as, as he said he was gonna do, his death, burial, and resurrection, I think by, by doing that and breathing on them, he showed him the spiritual side which he has promised them uh, was gonna occur. So he, he kind of put it all together Yeah. There. So they, they it prepares them and also, you gotta remember the state that they were in, they were afraid for their lives. He, he That gave them confidence in the Holy One f- from God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's well said too. It could just be a reminder of what they're waiting on um, very easily. Um, okay, so let's go ahead, Doug.
1: I don't, I don't want to derail you with this. I do not want to derail you with this word. There's a word that's called paraclete.
0: Yes. Okay. If you're familiar with it, I'll leave it there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, We're going to get there, yeah? Yeah. Alright. So Acts chapter 1. I knew this was going to get fun. I didn't know it was going to get fun this quick, but I knew it was going to get fun. Acts chapter 1. Look what he says. I just wanted to show you from John the Baptist, all through the Gospels, that you can see these moments where God is promising this day, this moment, this time, Acts chapter 1. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had give, given commands, actually, I'm sorry, because I think I skipped this one. And I, wanted, I put this one in on purpose. Because one, I want you to see that John got the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from in the womb. And if you go back through the Old Testament under the Old, uh, under the old Covenant, you will see that several people in the Old Testament were given the Spirit from the time they were children, from the time they were babies, from the time they were young. Okay? Um, That is important, and it's important to make this distinction in John because we're coming into a new covenant. And understanding when that new covenant starts is in John chapter 7. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, this is from Jesus, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Alright? So, so, what John received, and what is, it is um, happening in Acts chapter 2, there is, a, there is the same Spirit, but something different happening. There's the same Spirit, but something different happening. And if that's scary to you, we're going to be talking about that a lot. Because we have the same spirit, but different things happen. Just like you have the same spirit, but people get different gifts. Just like you have the same spirit, but people naturally grow and bear different fruits. You don't just master all the fruits typically either. We're going to discuss that when we get to self-control and the fruits of the spirit. It had
2: a different mission. Say it again. It had a different mission.
0: Yeah had different missions at different times, and therefore, it, it's the same spirit, but different things are happening, all right? And I want you to see that. There is a change coming in Acts chapter two. There is a change coming, all right? So, uh, I'll just read it because I didn't read it, and then we'll move on. Whoever believed, did I read it? I did read it. We're gonna move on. Yeah. I've been studying all day, <laughs> and sometimes I get here and I'm a little slower than I was an hour ago. It's okay. <clears throat> so, verse, we'll start in verse 2 on this one. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. And one of those proofs we saw where he was reminding them that the Holy Spirit was going to come in Jerusalem on this moment. And that's exactly what Luke is saying. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we see a change. Which leads to this, we skipped the tongues of fire, we skip the speaking in tongues, we skipped the, rush, the sound of a rushing wind, we skipped several moments, but we get to this point, Acts 2.38. Is a scripture that um, I've had memorized since I was a child. And I would say if you were born and raised in the church of Christ. And you don't know Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Your youth minister did not teach you a very important verse. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See this is the big change. This is the big change. And this is not just a promise for one generation. This is a promise for all generations. It's a promise of the Holy Spirit being united with God's people for all time. And it happens when you repent. When you, first of all, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why would you repent if you didn't believe? And you're going to see that word belief over and over in these scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit. You're going to see repentance over and over in these scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit. You're also going to see baptism referenced quite often in a lot of these scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit. So to me, it's easy to see that if I repent and I'm baptized, I'm going to receive not only forgiveness of sins, but I'm going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is a big change from the old covenant where it wasn't just poured out to everyone who believed in God. In 1 Corinthians
2: 12 and verse 4, mm-hmm. it says there are different gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. That's right. So the Spirit is involved in everything that's interacted between us and God, but it's not always the same for everyone. That's, that's right. right. And,
0: and let's not forget there are different times and different seasons. And so the Spirit is reaching people in different ways, even in different times and different seasons. That is um, extremely important. But yet, we're still trying to build foundation. We're still trying to build foundation. Titus three, what is, what is the spirit? Before we get into the fruits of the Spirit, I mean, we're already preaching a um, series on it, but before we really get into the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the differences of the gifts of the Spirit and the times and the seasons and all of that fun stuff, because I think the Bible really does lay it out pretty clearly, but you you have to pay attention. You have to dig deep to find it. What is the Holy Spirit? He's part of God, part of the Trinity, as some might call it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What else is he?
2: He's the paraclete. Explain. He comes alongside, stands beside us, and helps us.
0: Yeah. We got a bunch of scripture about that. It starts right here. So I promise you, I'm getting there. How about this? Go ahead, Chuck. the enabler. The enabler. enabler.
1: When, you, when you look at when the creation occurred, the Father's will was given to the Son. The Son spoke it, and the Spirit made it happen.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot, lot of power, power associated, associated with the Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you well what i, I want to do is try to make some of this really simple but also i think it shows the awesomeness of god not just um, god from far off but the god that dwells in you so titus 3 says but when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of works done By us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. We discussed that very well um, through this idea of Jesus being the Savior. Um, And then he says this, by the washing of regeneration. What's that mean? What's the word regeneration there mean? By the washing of regeneration. What do you see when you hear that? Yeah, it is baptism. It's renewal. Renewal of the Holy Spirit. What do you see when when you see that? it's a new person. It's, it's deeper. It's, it's regeneration. It's healing things that have been broke down and destroyed through corruption. It's the refining fire of God. That's what you're seeing in this scripture. It's renewal. It's going down this way, coming up something new. It's, in fact, it's exactly what uh, Uh, Jesus talks to Nicodemus about when he says in John chapter 3 Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of the water and spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit so there's a regeneration there's a washing there's a cleaning there's a making things whole again and there's also a renewal a new person a born again a new moment. A new life. Back. Sure. Thank you. Verse 7 says, So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It also, the Holy Spirit is what makes us an heir. You can't be an heir to the hope of eternal life if you don't have the Holy
2: Spirit. It is. Ephesians talks about that—a guarantee to have eternal life. The Holy Spirit is that seal.
0: It is. So since he said it, I'll read it real quick. Ephesians one. It's exactly the next scripture I had on there. I love when that happens. I do. To me, that's. You talk about the power of the Spirit when God's people are talking and, and our minds are. Um, going to the same place. To me sometimes, I mean, I'm not afraid to say that that's the Spirit of God working there. Are times where um, I'll preach a sermon or Michael have preached a sermon and the song. The, nobody knows exactly what we're going to say. I don't send anybody a, um, a, a script of everything I'm going to say. I don't even have one. But there are times where that song, man, it just hits. One right before, right after. To me, that's the Holy Spirit. God was Interceding, God was working for us to get us all to the same place. Um, all right, let me read this again. In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first ho- in, first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, The gospel of salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is your seal. That is what guarantees your salvation. You cannot have the hope of eternal life if you are not united with the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Paul also tried to emphasize that it's just, it's as well just about the here and now. When he says in Romans 8, 11, the spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. Mm -hmm. That means it's, there's something going on right now, not just for the future. That's That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think I have that scripture down a little further as well. And that's, I, I love that. I wanted, to, I wanted to go here, because I don't think you can have a conversation about the Spirit in, unless you hit this verse. Um, Ephesians 4, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So what's the one body? Yeah, it's us, it's, it's the people of God. We're the body, Christ is the head because he's our Savior and Lord. Yeah, that's right. And then there's one. My questions usually aren't very hard. Um, There's one Spirit. What's that Spirit? The Holy Spirit that binds us all together through that one hope. What's that one hope? Yeah, it's the return of the King, it's the gospel. The one Lord is Jesus because he died for the church took ownership of it. Doug's been talking about it recently um, in his announcements that he paid our ransom. He bought it. There's one faith that faith is in. Yeah, one way. The only name that can save Jesus Christ. One baptism. There's not two baptisms. There's one baptism. Not zero zero either. That's true. That's true. That's true. There's one baptism. That baptism is being buried. Rising in the newness of life. Based on your faith and belief that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Yeah, and commitment. That's true. Then there's one God and Father. So notice that the Spirit is deeply involved in this process. You can't get away from it. And the reason why I stress that is very simply that there have been times where people have tried to um, almost rationalize away the Spirit. And you will always hear me preach hard against this. I've heard arguments growing up where the Spirit of God was the Bible and the Bible is the complete and accurate word of God and that makes it the spirit and this is where you learn everything from. It's the spirit of God. God is not contained in a book. John made that as clear when he talked about Jesus. God is not contained in a book. He's not contained in the box you try to put him in. He's not. This is the active living spirit of God and it's way different than just the word of God. So I want to say that because I'm I'm telling you, there are people that believe that. There are people that preach that. And to me, that's a very scary thing to preach. That the Word of God is the Spirit of God. Um, Alright, we'll move off of that. We'll get into the Helper. John 14 If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the word world, excuse me, cannot receive, but is neither, neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we have this helper. He's the spirit of truth. He helps you determine the truth. He helps you to discern the truth. The truth. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to see life for what it is. like Just like when you saw um, Jesus breaking down the gospel to the apostles and there was this clarity that they had. It says He opens their minds so they can understand the scripture. The, the Holy Spirit is still doing that in your life to this day. It's helping you to understand God's word. It's helping you to see God's word. It's helping to you to experience God's Word, so that you can discern what is right and what is evil. What is true and what is false. What is good and what is bad. It's the spirit of truth. The world doesn't see it because they don't try to follow God. They'll never submit to it. That's the... See, that is such an important point that is being made. It's why we stress, Lord, the way we did. Because the difference between you and everybody else in the world is you've chose to submit to God. You have surrendered to the Lord. You have made Him your Lord. You have allowed Him to make decisions for you. You have allowed Him to change your mind and your heart. And it doesn't do that. God doesn't force Himself on people. People have said in the past to me, you know, why did, why did God ever let this happen the way it did with the whole, you know, tree in the garden and this possibility of sin. Couldn't he have stopped Satan at any time? God doesn't force himself on you. True love is not forced upon you and given no choice to be part of it or not. God has given you a choice. But you have to see it. You have to submit to it. So the world never will. We've been talking about the culture of the world a lot in this process, too. I think it's an extremely important point to make. The world is not going to submit to God. Jesus said it himself. The culture of the world is not leading you to a better relationship with Jesus Christ and not leading you closer to heaven. The world is not set up that way. You're going to see times in scripture through this process Where the world, again, sees things they cannot deny. God's people in high places see things that God cannot deny, that they cannot deny, that are from God. And they sit there and they say, in Acts, they'll say, I'm talking about high priests. They'll say... I'm thinking about the man who who, had, who who was healed, and everybody knew about him. For he was he was 40 years old. I can't remember where it's off off on the on, on in scripture right now. I know it's in Acts, but anyway, um, I studied too much scripture today. I'm sorry. But the the town sees that he's healed. Everybody knows him, and they say. They don't say, wow, this is the power of God. They say, no, 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 the, everybody's seen that this is the power of God and everybody sees that they're doing it in Jesus' name. And we got to figure out how to keep Jesus' name from being part of this. Because the world, even in, even, in, even in places where you might even think, you can trust that person. The world is not leading you to a closer place with God. The spirit is. But the world is not. That's why we need the spirit of truth. Anybody wanna say anything before we move on? I'm sorry, I got preachy there real bad. Go ahead, Chad.
1: If you have any time on this planet, you, you see that you know over my 50 years, you see it depleting the word of God, depleting and people, turning against it, you know, every 10 years, every, you know, taking, you know, taking, uh, you know uh, scripture readings out of public schools, you know, acknowledging God, the Ten Commandments off the steps. I mean, you can see if you open your eyes that we are going away from God. We, we can do it all ourselves. We don't need him. You know, I mean, you can see that attitude.
0: Yeah. I think that's the natural course of man. That's not being led by the Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it's the pattern of the Bible as well, yeah. Yeah, very true. Anybody else? Go ahead. John 16. Say that again.
2: Are you going to go to John 16? Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so again, verse 25 of John 14. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. See that in my name? Remember that. I almost started accenting it now. Because it's, it's all about Jesus' name. It is all about Jesus' name. But the Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent, who will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, I, I know there's two different interpretations of this scripture. And one is that he's talking specifically to the apostles, specifically, even more specifically to the authors of the New Testament. But I think this is also a promise to us. I think the Holy Spirit writes God's word on our heart and on our minds. I think he helps us remember I think he brings it to our to our attention I think if we're seeking it out he'll surround us in it I think if we're meditating on it we will come to a higher understanding we will come to a better clarity and I don't again I don't I know I say this and it's silly every time but meditation isn't a specific posture meditation is just thinking about specific scriptures over and over really trying to find the truth really trying to experience it in your life digging deeper And I think, that's, I think that's another thing the Holy Spirit does. It helps us with the Word of God. I think that's extremely important. You
2: know, that's what Paul said about his uh, fellow Jews. He said they had a, a zeal for God, but it was without knowledge. Mm-hmm. Without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very true. Anybody else? Of this world will be judged. So he helps with what? Who's this talking about? Is this talking about us? I I easily think it could be applied to us, yeah. I think it can. Do you think the Holy Spirit ever convicts you of your sin? Do you think the Holy Spirit ever convicts you of uh, righteousness? Prod you along to do the right thing? Do you ever think the Holy Spirit might even cast judgment on things that you're doing in your life? I think so. Do you think when you feel bad or remorseful of your that that's only by your own account? Do you think when you do righteous, let me say it this way, do you think when you do good works that it's only by your own account? How about when you escape judgment, is it going to be by your own account? Go ahead, Mom. No, I think that many times, not just Peter, and this is jumping ahead, but I will answer that real quick. I I think many times, not just Peter, there are many times where apostles specifically, and even some disciples, if if I'm thinking accurately about Philip, um, that the scriptures say they were full of the Holy Spirit in this moment, and they say something, and something amazing happens. Just like in Acts chapter 2. Um, I think this is, um, I think the last scripture is pointing to those things. They're going to know what to say. Paul, when he was in front of all those important people leading to his death, I don't think Paul was speaking on his own account. I think Paul was being given the words to say by the Holy Spirit. I think it was carrying him, if you will, um, through those conversations. So, um, But that's getting ahead, and I don't have very good context for that right now. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, Alright. We're almost done. Stay with me. It gets a lot more fun after this week. But like I said, we gotta, we got to talk about the foundational stuff first before we get into the really tough stuff. Because I'm telling you, we're going to bring up some stuff that is, it's gonna, we're going to have to figure it out. I don't, I'm not even going to say i got it all figured out because I don't. But there's stuff there that, that we're going to have to talk about. But we need these foundational principles first. Uh, Romans 8 Purpose. So the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness when we don't know what to say about what we're doing. The Spirit intercedes for us. When you have those times that Paul talks about where he knows what he should do, but he ends up doing what he shouldn't do. The Spirit intercedes for you. And it's speaking with groans. It's speaking with angst. It's speaking with... Um, almost, almost when I, the way I interpret it is it, it, it hurts it hurts for God you ever hurt for God you know what I'm talking about done something you regret you wish you'd get rid of it and you hurt anybody want to say anything no
2: God when he realized his sins and they were all exposed and he was just just pouring his heart out Mm -hmm. there's a difference right there between
0: a heartfelt repentance and just saying I'm sorry oh yeah I think David's probably one of the best probably the best example in the Bible of someone who's really repentant really Um, To use the word in the scripture, it really groans over what he did. Um, And again, I'm not saying we need to beat ourselves up every day, but we need to be real. And when the spirit is leading us in our lives, we need to be honest with that, too. I brought up Isaiah 11 because I wanted you to see this and going back all the way to the spirit of truth. Helping us discern, I wanted, to, I wanted to show you Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2. Now obviously there, verse 1 says there, um, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. What it, who is that? David. And Jesus. Yeah, the David and Jesus are both part of that. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Yeah, who did the dove rest on? Who was John the Baptist waiting on the spirit to rest on? Yeah, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and look what comes up, the spirit of the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now this is God's spirit. He's a spirit of wisdom and understanding. He's a spirit of counsel and might. He's a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is what he puts in you. This isn't, this isn't, at least in my opinion, this, this isn't just talking about Jesus. This is talking about all of us. We all receive this spirit. Without it, we can't overcome. Without without it, we can't have true wisdom. Without it, we can't have true understanding. Without it, we can't always trust the counsel. Without it, we're not connected to, as Chuck brought up earlier, the might, the power of God. Without it, we don't have the knowledge of God. And what is truth? What is his image? What is his standard? What does he approve of? Without it, you don't have the fear of the Lord. Why would you fear him? Why would you fear him? So First, first Corinthians 2, we're, we're, um, I think we got three scriptures left. You guys have been really good bearing with me tonight. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him these things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of God for who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God God has sent to you what also searches him God has sent to you and is searching you with what also searches Him. God has sent to you and has united with you and knows all your deepest, darkest secrets and all your great things and all your bad things and everything that goes on in your mind and everything that goes on in your life. God has sent that because that's what it knows about God as well. We're literally united with the Spirit of God. The things that knows the depth of God. What do you think about that? No idea. Don't
2: God part of God, so who, else would- who would know better
1: how to make a bone and argument and intercession? Uh, use the right words that you're trying to say than
2: somebody who knows. Them? Yeah, he knows, who knows the, the way, way he thinks,
0: knows the way he feels fully knows God, fully knows, fully knows us. I don't know. That one, always, that one has always um, blown my mind. I, I just to understand that that which searches me also searches God. That which knows my depth also knows God's depth. And really is, a, is, is part of um, the peace process between us.
2: there. At the bottom of it it says the Holy Spirit is guaranteed Yeah, of God's yeah. promises. Yeah. And, uh, and knowing that it is that all knowing makes it even more powerful within us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to finish with just this, just this idea for tonight. Think about all the things we talked about about the Holy Spirit. He helps us in so many different ways. He brings so much to our life in understanding knowledge and wisdom and discernment and and understanding the truth. In verse 11 it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Just like Paul was saying earlier, it's not just about eternal life. It's about the here and the now. It's in the present. You have all of this encapsulated in you. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, is the same spirit that is active, living, and working in you. Searching you out. Pushing you and prodding you to be more like Christ. To seek righteousness. To live a life worthy of the call. He's partnered with you. That's why we're his temple. God took that which was holy and put it in us sanctifying us because now we are vessels that carry that which is holy. It's the Spirit of God. Next week, we're going to get into a lot of Acts. So if you want to read ahead on anything, Acts will be the book. Um, there are some very interesting things that happen in Acts that we're going to have to try to get our head around and explain. Um, so. Be looking at the be looking at Acts if if you want to prepare for next week. Um, anybody want to add anything to the conversation before we're done? All right then. Thanks for coming to class. See you next week.